Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn. Joining me in the studio, Emily Schiltz, my co-host. Emily, how are you? I am so good. Yeah. Yep. It's good to see you. We spent Thank a lot you. of time together yes, in the past we couple of weeks, especially with the week at Wave. Right. And if you are unfamiliar with what we're talking about, we took our teenagers four hours away just outside of St. Louis to youth camp just mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And it was the first time we've ever put on our own youth camp. Yeah. And man, was it incredible. It was so incredible. That's literally the word I was going to say. I have had trouble processing it. Um, really all I can think about is the fact that I got majorly stirred up. Like it was a refreshing thing for me. And I, and, and one of the things that we've been talking about as a church is that we're asking God for seasons of refreshment Mm -hmm. coming out of Acts three, verse 20, that, uh, times of refreshment will visit you. And so we're talking about waves of refreshment, waves of salvation, waves of addictions being broken, waves of freedom, waves of deliverance. And I feel like that that week at Waves started that. Yeah, I would agree. Like it was kind of the, you call it the undertow. We should have called it the undertow (laughs) because the undertow is like the thing. It's the, you know, the, the, the pressure that yeah. pulls out up to create the wave. All I can think is underbelly, but that's underbelly. different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there were some really exciting things that happened, like yeah. a lot of really cool stories. S- teenagers, this was middle school and high school students, yeah. and so teenagers um, meeting Jesus. You can share some of those numbers and yeah. if you want to. So total, we took 60 students, so that's not including all the leaders. Um, I honestly don't know that number, like how many leaders we yeah. took, but um, we had 60 students attend WAVE, 19 of them gave their lives to Jesus during that week of camp. And then we came back and we had five students get baptized the Sunday after. It's amazing. Yeah, it was really great. I think what encouraged me is there were a couple things that were really funny. The guys in my cabin... They were really excited about not having their cell phones. Yes. So we have a rule that you we couldn't have a cell phone. You, right. Like we wanted to disconnect them from the outside world, um, which is a, a fantastic piece of advice for all of us because we right. are glued to those things. In fact, Christy and I are leaving for California here pretty soon, and we're going to totally unplug. I'm going to be off social media, off that stuff, just kind of get away from everything, all the noise. Yeah. But I was shocked that these teenagers wanted to. Cause yeah, like, they were legit excited. I remember uh, I was walking students in after their parents had dropped them off. Uh, that Monday morning before he left for camp. And every student who I was walking in, I was asking them, hey, what are you most excited about for camp this week? Uh, And I had a handful of them say, I'm most excited that I don't have to take my phone with me. Wow. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, different than I thought a lot of our students would feel about it, but they were genuinely, like, relieved that they could disconnect. Well, I just wonder if that generation just feels so... um almost obligated to being tied to those yeah. like social networks that they have right. on the phone. And they were telling me, they were like, we don't, like we have all these people that we're connected to relationally that we don't even know. We've never seen, so but we like crazy. even interact with them. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, that is so, it's so different. I just, I just wonder what that's doing to our society when we're so re- like sh- surface level mm-hmm. and in shallow ways, relationally connected to people. Right. Um, but oftentimes fail to have really deep 
intimate relationships uh, that are face-to-face, personal, walking through some really difficult th- times together. Yeah. And I think they were just it, what was refreshing to them as they're articulating this to me. And these are like juniors and seniors in high school, mm-hmm. you know? And they were like, this is refreshing that we're having these kinds of close, personal, intimate conversations with each other. Um, that they, they didn't, it's like they hadn't even like experienced that right. before. It was yeah. so, such a refreshing thing. So what was the most exciting thing for you at Wave? Um, I think for me it was, you know, there's so much talk all the time about how that generation, you know, the generation coming up behind the millennials, like, have we lost touch with them as a, as a church? Mm-hmm. And I think even just the small environment that we were in, the fervor in which these students chased after Jesus gave me hope. Yeah, It was like, man, no, we, we haven't lost touch with them. They right. really are starving for something real, something authentic, something that um, satisfies the cravings of their soul. And we saw that, you know, yeah. I, I remember seeing a, uh, I remember snapping a picture, just a beautiful moment. You were leading worship, you were mm-hmm. on your knees and there were, there were kids face down um, up at the front, worshiping, yeah. crying out to God, confessing sins, just like I'll never, I won't ever forget that moment. It's right. etched in my head yeah. as a reminder to me that no, this is why we minister to people. No matter what they've gone through, we can declare the hope of the gospel to them, and we can um, help people find healing and freedom through that. Yeah, definitely. And um, so I think that's what I was most encouraged by. What about mm-hmm. you? What about you? Um, it's kind of funny that you just painted that picture of like the students down. Um, on the ground in response after a message. But um, I feel like a few people have asked me that question, like, hey, what is your favorite memory from WAVE this year? And for me, it was that vantage point consistently during sessions, um, being able to lead our students in worship. Um, But in that, uh, being able to see their faces during a response, because Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes, like, when we're in a session or we're in a service, when we see people respond, um, we don't, like, sounds kind of weird to say, but we don't get the opportunity to like look into their eyes um, or to like truly see like their brokenness um, or um, their openness even to Jesus. And so I think for me um, in those multiple sessions that we were able to have at Wave, um, my favorite thing was consistently being able to see them respond and like make a personal connection with them. Like as, as our students are like literally crying um, or crying out to Jesus being able to make eye contact with them, even in like a pastoring moment, right. like, hey, I see you. Um, let's like sing this together. Right. And so right. I think, yeah, I think that's my that's favorite. So cool. <laughs> that's my I favorite think it thing. tapped, retapped back into me this uh, passion that I've always had for um, helping that generation mm-hmm. and mentoring that generation. And I think that's so applicable to all of our listeners, you know, yeah. as you're walking through things in your life. The Bible says that you're to, you're comforted to be comfort to, to be comforting to others, mm. and so I would challenge everybody: you need to find folks that you can pour into as well in yeah. your own local churches and your own spheres of influences. But really, if God's put a passion for the this teenage generation in your heart, man, dive into that because yeah. they are really starving for authentic relationships. That's true. People several steps ahead of them that you know you get so weirded out by like, am I cool enough? Am I, I don't know if they're going to connect. It's like, <laughs> yeah. they don't really care. They don't care. They just want somebody who loves them. Who's consistent. And consistent. Right. Exactly. And, and is authentic and authentically saying, hey, I'm following Jesus. Come follow me as I'm following Jesus. Yeah. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
and showing them, ultimately pointing them to Jesus, say, hey, you can do this as well. Yeah. And um, I think that just, it reignited this fire inside of me. And so Christy and I are talking to some of the students about having them over regularly That's and just kind of pouring into them, mentoring yeah. them, which is really cool. It's just exciting to to jump back into that space a little bit after years of being out of student ministry. Right. <laughs> but it was just a reigniting thing for me. Really cool. And I'll, and I'll say this, um, the interview that we have today is a really powerful interview. Um but it's with Clayton and Shari King, and Clayton actually leads a lot of student camps. Mm. So in the ministry that he does, he's a, a traveling evangelist, but also one of the teaching pastors at New Spring Church, which right. was our sending church, mm-hmm. and where traditionally we would have taken our students down to New Spring's camp, the gauntlet. We did our own this time. And Clayton also has an arm of his ministry where they put on summer camps for teenagers. Super so cool. it's just very applicable to all yeah. of this, that he's in that space where he's ministering to teenagers. He's seeing teenagers um, run and chase hard after the Lord. And, uh, but their inner, their interview today, Emily, I can't wait for you guys to hear it because it is powerful. Mm. Um, and I kind of thought that I was going into it. I was going to interview Clayton Mm -hmm. and talk more about ministry pain. Right. And then I heard Shari's story and kind of the last minute I like (laughs) texted them like, can we talk about that? And yes, we'll get into like ministry pain, but Shari's story is wow. Like, I'm not even, I'm not, I can't do it justice. I'm gonna let her talk about it um, with you guys, but you're gonna wanna lean in on this one. And you're probably gonna wanna get a notebook out. Maybe you're driving <laughs> in the car, don't get a notebook out, that wouldn't be good. But maybe you go back and listen to this because what they say, man, I like archive this away. I mean, yeah. take notes, archive it because they just are able to communicate it in such a powerful way that um, I think it's gonna be really helpful in building your faith as you're walking through whatever you're going through right now as well. Yeah, that's great. Before we hop into this interview with Clayton and Ashari, I just wanted to thank you, our listener, Mm -hmm. for the ways that you are consistently sharing your stories with us. So whether that's through email or uh, the rating and reviewing on whatever podcast medium you're listening to this on, we are so thankful um, that you are sharing your stories with us, sharing the way that this podcast is impacting you, um, the ways that you're able to share it with other people around Mm -hmm. you. Guys, we absolutely love reading your reviews. Yeah, it's incredible. I've got them all like pulled up right now on my computer as we're talking about this. And it's just really cool to see how this is impacting so many people. So we, we love reading them. Please keep doing that. Yes. Keep sharing with other people as well. Um, cause we know this is going to provide a lot of hope to people. And, um, if you feel like this is a, some, a ministry that you want to give to, mm-hmm. we would love to partner with you in that. Right. Um, everything that, you give goes to this podcast, goes to our ministry here on the ground in Indianapolis. And so we would love for you, if you feel called to that, you can give a recurring gift, you can give a one-time gift. But if you go to davyblackburn.com slash give, there's a space right there where you can give and all of your gifts are tax deductible. Um, And so, man, we would just love to be able to partner with you. And that's very helpful for us as well. Yeah. Thank you for those of you who have given. Absolutely. Uh, You're just really allowing us to put more hope in your Mm -hmm. headphones. So Mm -hmm. uh, let's go ahead and hop into this interview with Clayton and Shari. Yeah. Clayton, 
Shari, great to have you guys. Thanks Thank for joining you. me. Thank oh, you. We're so, so glad to be, to be here. Yeah. yeah. In Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> With Davey Blackburn. Yep. Where the water park is the biggest thing around. In Marion, Indiana. That's yes. right. Cornfields and a water right? park. Marion? That's it. We're in Marion, Indiana. Indiana Wesleyan. <laughs> you were speaking at a conference this morning. Yeah, and you'll be there Friday, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Momentum Youth Conference. 2,300 teenagers from all over the place. Wow. I met a guy today at Momentum here in Indiana who graduated from my high school in South Carolina. Get out Hill of Chris here. High School. Yep. Get out of here. There's a, West, a Wesleyan, a Grace Brethren Church yep. uh-huh. in Simpsonville, Greenville somewhere, and they're here. So they drove wow. all the way. We flew here this morning. They drove. I can't believe that. <laughs> wow. That's a long drive. We've made that drive plenty of times, coming to hang out with you guys often over at New Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would love first for our listeners just to get to know who you are mm-hmm. um, and, and what you guys do. Uh, you're connected with a church that actually sent us, that launched us as a church. You know, New Spring launched Resonate, became kind of our sending church up to Indianapolis. And Clayton, you're connected there. Shari, you guys are both very much connected there now. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about who you are, what you guys do, uh, your family, and where you're at right now. Well, we're going on 20 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. It's been 20 good years, right, Shari? Yep. Got married May 99. Yeah. So we're outside. Ni- 19 <laughs> years and three months in. We have two boys. Jacob's 15. And JoJo is 12, and um, we started, Shari and I started a nonprofit organization um, a little over 20 years ago, Crossroads and Clayton King Ministries. So we do summer camps and student conferences, and Shari and I both write books. Um, I'm one of the teaching pastors at New Spring on a team with Dan Leanne and Brad Cooper, guys you're very familiar with. And uh, so I stepped into that role a couple of years ago uh, as our church was going through some good transition that have really helped us kind of redefine who we are and... Mm -hmm. and, uh, we travel and speak a lot together. So mm-hmm. Shari and I got to speak today at Momentum, which is what brought us into town mm-hmm. and uh, got us here in the podcast room with you. Yeah, awesome. so we met. I was straight out of college. Uh, Clayton needed a rock climbing instructor for the camps <laughs> that he did, and I was a recreation major. And so I used to lead caving, whitewater rafting, and rock climbing. And so when I walked uh, up to him, there married. you go. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, is that a, that's a pretty good pipeline right oh, there. Yeah. I, I, know. Yeah. I walked up to him, said, do you still need a rock climber for your camp? And he said, yeah, we need people, but probably not you because we need people in skill positions. Ooh. And I said, well, he well, didn't want an HR hassle on his hands. That's exactly right. right. He was Davey. like, nah, probably not you because I want to date you. <laughs> no, that's exactly yeah. right. I'd seen her that night at Chapel Hill and I, and the minute I laid my eyes on her, I asked Jesus if I could have her. And so apparently he hears my prayers because so. he gave us yeah. to each other. And now we, we're partners in ministry. And That's awesome. We've been all over the world together. I think this year in 2018, we have been to Uganda, South Africa, Peru, Israel, and Jordan already wow. in the first six months of the together. year. Together. Yeah. It's been a big classes. travel year for us and our family. Uh, our boys went all but one of all those except countries. Peru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. That right there, you know, is honestly one of the things I definitely want to get to as we talk about and have conversation on this podcast, because I think what I've seen from afar in both of your lives is that you guys model this idea of marriage and ministry together better than probably anybody I've seen. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're doing it together. It's the dream for me, you know, as I'm stepping into a new marriage and we're trying to navigate marriage and ministry and what all that looks like. I know that I want to do that with her for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just love seeing the evolution of your seasons and mm-hmm. how that stays consistent within that. Um, it's a really cool thing. So we definitely want to talk yes. about some of the, how do you do that? But first, I want to give a little bit of context because one of the things we talk about on the podcast is that the common denominator for life is pain. 
that mm. everybody's walking through and, and has walked through or you're about to walk through some kind of trial, tragedy, adversity. And you guys have a unique story together. Shari, you have mm. a unique story um, in your upbringing. Why don't you give us a little bit of context because that probably plays into a lot of how you guys do ministry together. Yeah. Well, my mom and dad divorced when I was three. So my original dad and mom, and I always want to be very clear about that Mm. because my mom remarried and my first stepdad um, was an abusive guy. He Mm. sexually abused me. And I didn't understand that that's what he was doing because I didn't remember ever living with a dad. So for me, I didn't know that what he was doing to me was inappropriate. So that was about five years of my life, Um, and I remember my mom picking me up from daycare one day, and on the way home, she said, I think I'm going to get a divorce. And I said, why? Well, she told me that he had been cheating on her, and all of a sudden, all this stuff I'd been hiding from her just erupted in my soul, and I just said, I don't know why you didn't leave him a long time ago. I mean, Mm. the anger came out, which I had been suppressing for so long. I was scared that my mom would hate me. I was scared that she would think I was betraying her because as I got older, I realized that he was her husband. I mean, at this point, I'm 10 and a half. I'm starting to have crushes on boys. Mm. I'm starting to realize that that my stepdad's supposed to have a crush on my mom and what's he doing with me. So I wanted to stop it, but I didn't know how. And um, so this is before this time, actually, that I told my mom, I started going to church again because they were having marital problems. Mm. So we went to church because they were having marital problems. And I started learning Sunday school stories. And I didn't know God at all, but I heard the story of Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. And I saw God deliver the Israelites, not personally, but on a planogram, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, planograph or whatever those things are. I saw the teacher play out that story for me. And my stepdad came in one morning um, to get me because I refused to go in to him anymore. And when he came to get me, I just didn't know who else to cry out to except to ask God to help me. And this is the hard part of the story because um, God did see me Mm. and God did rescue me in that moment because I remember screaming out that God would make him leave and he left. Mm. And then I remember, I didn't scream out loud. It was just all in my head and I, I wouldn't get out of my bed. And, and then the next th- morning he came in as well and the same thing played out. I asked for God to make him leave and he left and he never came back. And then I just had to hold the secret inside The reason why that's the hard part of my story is because I've talked to many other Mm -hmm. females who didn't have that same experience and felt like they called out and God didn't answer. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's hard for me to communicate because even though it's a great part of my story, it's the first time I ever saw God answer a prayer ever, um, I became aware that He cared about me. I became aware that I was just this little girl in a room on the earth, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that God's up in heaven and he doesn't care. And all of a sudden my prayer is answered. I saw him move and he became my rescuer. And so that's kind of the defining characteristic, I believe, of God in my life is that yeah. he rescued me, he saw me, and he cared. Wow. Um, and I I know that even if there are females out there that don't have this same exact story, I know that God still is those things to you, mm. even though you may not see that or feel that in your life, yet I feel like He can show you that that's who He is. Mm. And so 
that's um, that's how my story started. Um, my mom in that car that day when I told her what happened to me, she decided she was going to divorce my stepdad. We moved in with my grandparents. We started going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I started memorizing verses and I started realizing who Jesus was. So that next year, I came to know Jesus, and then the year after that, I felt called to ministry. And for me, I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my life except giving wow. my life to the one who rescued me. Wow. And I didn't know what that would look like. I just knew that's what I would do. And wow. how, as a 12-year-old, what, what do you think you're going to do? Especially a female 12 at, in that year, yeah. it's like all you really had options for was like children's ministry and singer. I don't know. Or missionary. You know, yeah, yeah, or a missionary. But you had to be married to be a missionary. So (laughs) all of that. And I honestly, at that point in my life, didn't know if I wanted to be married again. Mm. My mom remarried another guy, and he was very controlling and manipulative. And I did my best to protect myself in that marriage. But that one really affected me, too. He was um, controlling and emotionally abusive Mm. um, to me. And so by the time I met Clayton, I actually didn't even know if I wanted to be married. I didn't know if that was something that I wanted to give up. I was very close to God. I had a great relationship with Him, and I didn't want to give it up for a man who would get in the way and maybe try to make me into someone that I didn't want to be. That's how I viewed men at that point in my life. Um, But it was really neat. I went on a mission trip, and I came back, and my apartments in college weren't finished. And so I ended up living with my campus pastor's family and his wife his wife and I became best friends Mm. and I started watching their family work. And that was the first time in my life Mm. by an quote accident that I didn't have an apartment. I I lived in their little girl's room that I started having hope that family could work, that a husband could be a good person, that um, you could have a, a good dad, all of those things came together for me, and like hope was born mm. that I might actually get married at some point in my life instead of going off and being a missionary on my own because I was better on my own, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of where I was when I met Clayton. I would say the other thing when we met was we talked about my past, and being in ministry, the biggest fear I had was that if I met a man who was in ministry too or a pastor, or someone who would be in ministry, I was afraid that they would reject me because of what had happened to me, Mm. that I wouldn't be clean enough, that I wouldn't be pure enough, that I wouldn't be beautiful because of what had happened to me in my past because of my abuse. And I think that's the best moment that I ever had with my husband, um, where he ministered to me in the deepest way, was when I told him about my story and he looked at me and he said, when I hear what you've been through and I see who you are, you're more beautiful to me than you were before. Which meant that he had seen how much healing the Lord had already done in my heart. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that part of my my life, I was still a little bitter, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. he saw past that and he saw who the Lord was creating me to be and that gave me hope. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Shari, you mentioned something... I'm really glad you mentioned this because it's something that I thought about when I first heard your story, that for you, you had an encounter where you felt the tangible rescuing of Jesus. And there are many people, many girls especially, who are in a very similar situation or have found themselves in a similar situation. And they've used that situation as confirmation in their mind or in their heart that there is no God. Because if there was, why would he allow that to happen? Why would he allow them to be in that space? Why would he not intervene and rescue? As you guys are, and Clayton, feel free to chime in on this, as you guys are ministering to people 
who are in those spaces of hurting, what do you, how do you tell someone um, who is experiencing that? What do you, what, what do you tell them to assure them of the same God that you experience as a rescuer, even if they're not feeling that? Right. Well, <clears throat> I think one reason why I, one reason why it went on so long for me was I was afraid to speak up. Mm. And I, I think that if I had been more courageous, maybe, but that's hard as a child, yeah, you know, um, and I don't blame myself, but I think that God would have been willing to have rescued mm -hmm. me if I had spoken up sooner in some way. Yeah. Um, sometimes parents don't believe though, and kids are stuck in right. hard situations for a long time. Here's what I know. This world is evil. Mm. And so my perspective on rescuing changes sometimes. I have read... So many stories about um, the persecuted church, missionaries that have gone mm -hmm. and been in jail and been put in prison because of their faith. They've been tortured because they love Jesus. Right. And that doesn't seem right either. Right. But when I read about stories like Corey Tinboom, or yeah. <laughs> I've read books about this guy, it was called Vanya, and he was, a, he was in a communist concentration camp. He learned to love his enemies mm. when he didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And surely he would have blamed God, but he didn't. So when I read stories like that, I think to myself, if I've been hurt, yes, I've yeah. been hurt. I was hurt by a man who shouldn't have done what he did. I haven't been hurt because of my faith, and I feel like that's a deeper mm -hmm. hurt. And so for me, I find courage from people who somehow in the midst of it all said, this world is evil, but despite the evil that's in it, I will love the God who is love yeah. and I will believe that he is good no matter what, because I'm enduring this evil, mm. but this person who's hurting me is being influenced by evil mm. and they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And that's what Jesus said on the cross. Right. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And that's the hard thing as a victim. I think we have to somehow come to a place where we realize that people who injured us are broken people who don't know what they're doing. They don't, I think they, I'm not saying that they have an excuse. Right. I'm saying that evil is influencing them right. to do things that God would not approve of. God doesn't step in because we're living in a world where he can't step into every situation mm -hmm. or he would be a controlling God who didn't allow us choice. So, and that's the hard thing to digest. Yeah. And I think that's the answer I, I, you know, that I give people when they ask me questions about suffering and pain. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's one of the oldest questions in the human race. You can look back to the Greeks, you can look back to Egyptian writings. I mean, people always have wanted to know why, if there is a God, why have bad things happened to me? Mm -hmm. Why didn't he step in? And honestly, I, I'm I'm more prone to look at someone and say, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. But there are some things that we do know. Yeah. And I don't, and I will encourage people, don't discount the existence of God because he didn't act in a specific way mm -hmm. in your case when you can look at millions of other situations where he clearly stepped in right. and he clearly did something. Um, I think that is a very difficult question that requires time yeah. Yeah. to yeah. answer and relationship context to unpack. Yeah. For each person. Right. For each person, it's very, very different. And so for me, the hope is when you hear someone like Shari share her story of, of pushing through sexual abuse, you, even you, Davey, sharing your story of loss, 
I think those stories mm-hmm. are the greatest defense of God's goodness yes, and the greatest apologetic, good. because theology, um, theology on paper, yeah. I should say, it fails us in those moments. Right. But it's lived out theology in the life of someone who has suffered that can yeah. say, I still believe God is good. I still know that God loves me. Those stories go a lot further when you're talking to someone who would say, why didn't God rescue me the way that he yeah. rescued you? Um one day, I guess the hope that we all have is that God's going to help us figure it all out. Right. But until then, it's like a two-year-old trying to understand calculus. We just don't have the mind for it. <laughs> yeah. I think also the step in that we want sometimes is a physical removal of a situation or a circumstance, mm-hmm. because that is what seems like is hurting us mm-hmm. the most. But the people that I see hurting the most are the ones that don't give him their emotions and their pain. Mm. Because really, here's the reality. He has stepped in. Mm -hmm. He stepped in with his son. Wow. To conquer sin and to conquer evil. That's the step in. Yeah. And so for me, when I know that Jesus stepped in to conquer sin and to conquer evil, I know he can heal my soul. Yeah. And my soul needs healing. Right. Right, and I need to be a whole person. That's really what's most important. Well, and that's what some like. That's the one thing that people can't take away from you, mm-hmm. no matter what they do to your right. I mean, Scripture says, "Don't fear the one that can harm the body, but that can right yeah. that has control of your soul, or that right. has the you know really the final say of your soul." And no matter what, that's what you see with a story like Corey Tinboom, who finds herself in these, you know, Nazi concentration camps and for all intents and purposes suffering in prison. She wasn't in prison in her soul. Right. She was the freest that she had ever been by trusting God and releasing those hurts over and over and over. Um, and just the cool, I mean, there's some in her story with she smuggling the Bible in mm-hmm. everywhere that she was being transferred. And just mm-hmm. like the, that's such a powerful testimony of freedom emotionally and spiritually Mm. in the midst of being uh, completely victimized. But if you look at the beginning, when she first goes to jail, it's Mm -hmm. her sister who is free. And Corey's not. She's angry. Yeah, She is angry at everyone imprisoning her, and she doesn't know how her sister can Mm. love these people. Then her sister dies, and Mm. she's watching her sister love people who don't deserve it. And after she dies, after her sister dies, Corey realizes, that's what I need to do. Wow. Because she was angry. Right. And she first. witnessed somebody else, like what you were saying, Clayton, she saw someone else's story play out and the holding firm to the faith that that person had. And it gave her the, she borrowed that faith. Mm-hmm. She gave her the courage yep. to also step into that. And I, what is it? I, you know, I don't know if it, I can't remember if it's Mark 9 or John 9, but the man who was born blind. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees come and question him, right? Who, Interrogate yeah. him Who's theologically. Sin? Who, you know, and, the, and he's like, listen, I don't know anything about this guy. All I know is I was blind, yeah. now, now I, see. I see. That's uh, all I know. It's a story, the power of a story, most yeah. powerful thing in the world. Exactly. The quickest way for a person to be pulled out of the ditch of victimization is to watch a former victim tell their story of how they're no longer a victim. Wow, wow. Because that's what the enemy wants. He exactly. wants us to take the suffering we've endured, and he wants to keep us bogged down and, 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 and enslaved to the victim mentality. Yeah. It's somebody else's fault. How could God? Why didn't someone? But the minute a victim can watch a former victim hmm. who's come out of their victimization, that's the quickest way to pull you out of that ditch, out of that pit of being yeah. a victim. And our culture loves to preach to people, you're a victim. It's the government's fault. Totally. It's the president's fault. It's Congress's fault. It's it's your your preschool teacher's fault. It's your mom and dad's fault. Um, 
And so the gospel just won't let us stay there. And that's yeah. what I love about the gospel. It, it refuses, Jesus refuses to let us stay in a dark pit. Yep. He gives us hope and, and he gives us other people around us that we can look to to say, if they got over something that bad, then then I have no excuse to wallow in my self-pity. Right, right. that's it. Well, and if we're real, Jesus was the biggest victim of all. Exactly. Like he was God, left heaven, <laughs> was perfect, totally misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, misunderstood by his disciples, misunderstood by followers. Everybody wanted something from the guy. Yeah. And then when he doesn't give them what they want, and when he ends up being a heretic, they crucify him. Yeah. But yep. guess what? He decided, I'm doing this because he wanted to show the world that he loved the Father and that he was obedient. Those yeah. are the two things he said. I love the Father and that I'm going to be obedient. And then he conquered death. Right. And when right. people say, why do bad things happen to good people? I think a proper response is to say, well, it only happened one time, mm-hmm. and that guy volunteered for it. Yeah, that's <laughs> because it. if you really want to get technical about it, the that's only it. time something really bad happened to something who was truly good, someone mm-hmm. who was truly good, was when Christ gave his life on the cross for us, wow. and no one forced him to do that. He volunteered for it. Wow. And so for the Christian, I feel like the cross, and and uh, John R. W. Stott wrote an entire book, or part of a book about this, I feel like the cross yep. is our ground zero for how we handle suffering. Yeah, that's it. We can always look to Christ on the cross, and we can always say, if he suffered like that mm. and prayed for his uh, killers, then, then we have the ability to connect, because if Christ is in us and we're yep. in Christ, it's this exchange life, so I have no excuse... To, to spend the rest of my life pointing fingers and blaming. Wow. I look to Christ on the cross and his pain and his suffering, and I hear him pray, Father, forgive these people for wow. they don't know what they're doing. I, I cannot in my flesh do that, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I can pray that. And I can pray it even when I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, we we said it this morning, cards on the table, we're getting ready this morning, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. in the bathroom, Long day. We've both been really exhausted. Had a long summer. And I'm putting my shoes on, and Shari's putting her makeup on. And I said, "Hey, today's going to be a long day. We're going to have to fake it. (laughs) We're going to have." I said, "We're going to have to pull some energy because we got 2,300 kids, you know, waiting on us." And I said, "We're going to have to fake it till we make it." And every every adult knows this. There are things in life that you do because you have to do them. You don't do them because you feel like doing them. How many of us feel like getting up and going to the office? Mm. Even teenagers don't feel like getting up and going to school. You fake it till you make. It. And sometimes in our in our life, when we handle suffering, mm. it comes to us. We don't feel like praising God yeah. or worshiping Jesus or praying or looking to Christ on the cross. We don't feel like doing that, but we have to do it because it's right. Yep. And so we do it until we feel different. Don't wait till you feel different to do the right thing. Mm. Do the right thing until you feel different. Right. Say the truth even when you don't feel the truth. Yeah. So I think that's what we do. We look to Christ on the cross. And we see him in his bloody, torn, beaten, mm. bruised, you know, flesh, and we and we let the Holy Spirit remind us we didn't have to go through that yeah. suffering. Yeah. So yeah. everything else is is a win. Yeah. We didn't have to suffer like Jesus, and even though we have suffered, it'll never be that bad. We'll never have the whole sins of the world on our shoulders, and that pulls us because Jesus tells His story. Right. It pulls us out of that pit of victimization. Exactly. The um, I heard Piper talk about this one time. Um, he talks about when Paul says that we are to fill up the afflictions of Christ, which is a confusing verse if you think right. about it. Because you're like, didn't he do enough? Didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> didn't he already fill it all up on the cross? And what he's admonishing Christians to do is he's saying, hey, as um, 
as a little Christ, right, as someone who's following after him, you actually have a role in making complete the afflictions of Christ, the message of this. And so what he explains within that verse is that in 2018, nobody saw, nobody here living today has seen Jesus with their own eyes on the cross. So they've never, they've not borne witness to that actual suffering. And so the only way that they can see that in its purest form right now in 2018 is when Christians suffer well. Right. That's so good. And so if we suffer well, it bears this testimony of not only can we walk in that suffering empowered by the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, but we can also come out of that because we're empowered by the same spirit. Yeah. And our God is a, has a resurrection reputation. So yeah. even if you're not in that Sunday resurrection experience of your story, it's, it's coming at mm-hmm. some point if, as we're trusting the Lord. He has that reputation. Love it. Hey, I just wanted to take a second and interrupt this interview to tell you about Thriving in Trial, a Nothing is Wasted handbook that I've just released in ebook format. Over the last year of interviewing people on this podcast who have walked through hardship and adversity, I've noticed 10 consistent themes, 10 common denominators, if you will, that have helped people find healing in their pain. I wrote my book, Nothing is Wasted, as a memoir narrating the journey of healing God took me on after my wife, Amanda, was killed in November of 2015. While we're waiting for that book to be released, I wanted to distribute some practical content that could act as a companion to Nothing is Wasted, the book. That's why I wrote Thriving in Trial, to give you practical tools to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. Jump over to DaveyBlackburn.com to download your copy of Thriving in Trial, a Nothing is Wasted handbook. Um, Have you heard of Richard Wormbrandt? Yeah. Or tortured for Christ. Uh, I have not. I'm not familiar with it, but yeah, tell me, tell okay. me about that. Well, they just released a movie about the first part of his story, but okay. um, it was also during the communism um, when Russia took over Romania, and he was a pastor and he stood up for Jesus when they were trying to mesh communism and religion, and he wow. refused to do that. So he was taken to prison, tortured many different ways. If you read his book. You would not believe some of the mm-hmm. things that they did. I mean, including tying these guys to crosses and laying them all on top of each other and just leaving them in prison cells on top of each other Jeez. for days. So you can imagine what that would be Absolutely. like. And Ugh. so he said he remembers feeling like he was losing his mind. And the only thing that kept him sane were some of the few verses that he could actually remember that mm-hmm. he had memorized because his mind started deteriorating, slip, yeah. being alone. Well, his wife is not in prison. Wonder if he's still alive. She ends up being taken to a prison camp. Um, she's abused. I mean, thrown into an icy river. I mean, crazy stuff happens. She gets out, finds out her son has been taken mm-hmm. by the communists, indoctrinated. So she's trying to love him back over. And through her husband being released and her being released, their son finally comes back to the Lord but in that book, I realized that all of the stuff that happened, you know, with Hitler and with communism, mm-hmm. all the stuff that's going on during that time, do you know that Hitler, I believe I found out in that book that Hitler's granddaughter or his daughter ended up becoming Christian. Wow. Isn't that ironic? That's crazy. I mean, like a believer that would have ended up being persecuted 
or was it Stalin? I'm thinking, I'm saying Hitler, but I well, mean it was, Stalin. It was during the same time. So Richard yeah. Wurmbrand, yeah. Voice of the Martyrs, yep. is their ministry, right. mm-hmm. and and he was alive during World War II, and it yeah. was after after the end of World War II right. when communism began to grow. Yeah. Uh, after the Nazis were you know taken from power and Hitler committed suicide, and I would I would encourage anyone. They give these books away for free. VoiceOfTheMartyrs.com. Right. Okay. They give away this book called Tortured for we Christ. We can put that on the podcast notes right. too for the listeners. And yeah, I'm bringing it up because there was a recent movie released about it and. We sat in this theater with all of these Christians watching his story, and there was people were weeping. Yeah, wow. no dry eyes because we all walked out realizing we suffer, yes, yeah, but they suffered, mm. and you know, and so it puts I think that in a perspective, yes, right. perspective. Like, and I'm wow. not, I'm not trying to um, take away anybody's right. hardships or anything that they're going through, but I know this is one thing that I always did. Whenever I was feeling like a victim and whenever I feel like a victim now, I think of someone who has it worse than me. Yeah, absolutely. So when Clayton would be on the road traveling and I'm at home with kids and it's four days into it, I'm thinking, well, at least I'm not a military wife and my husband's (laughs) not overseas. And I just always told myself, someone has it worse than me, so pick yourself up and Mm. let's get on with this, you know? And so that's just one thing that I always tried to do. I, I, sure, I gave my burdens to the Lord, but I didn't want to fall into that victim mentality to where something else else was defining who I was. Mm. I wanted to be everything that God had called me to be without any hindrance, without any chains. And I certainly didn't want sin or pain to hold me back from who I could be in Christ. And so I think when we tell ourselves that someone else has had it worse and they did it, I can do it too. That's so good. Wow. Now, as you guys, you know, 20 years ago met started in on on marriage and at the same time ministry did you see some of the i mean obviously god was still doing a healing work in probably both of your lives through all of that how how did that play out between the two of you guys as you're as you're working through some of that stuff i mean you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you were really reticent toward even like the idea of marriage and yeah. how did how did the lord really work through that with you guys I don't know what you're going to say because you're yeah. grinning at me. So I'm go ahead grinning. and talk. You <laughs> well, got the floor. <laughs> the big thing was when we first got married, I felt like every time we had an argument, Clayton was yelling at me. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I, I, if I very... disagreed with her at all or if I gave a counterpoint, even if I didn't raise my voice, she would accuse me of yelling, yelling at her. I was yeah. highly sensitive mm. to that. And so I had to learn to believe and trust that he wasn't trying to beat me down, mm. that we were just having a conflict. And I was scared of conflict. I'd rather blame myself then have conflict. So we had to learn how to have conversations like that mm. um, to where I didn't just say, oh, it's just me. Clayton would say, it's not just you. Let's <laughs> talk about this. <laughs> that, that's the key for me. The key for me is how we saw that play out in real life is uh, slowly mm. and consistently conversation. Mm. We talk about everything. We drag stuff out in the open. Um, I'm confrontational by nature. God's mm. had to deliver me from a lot of that. <laughs> but um, she's not. Uh, at least at that point in our life. And so what we've been able to do is now we've been able to kind of meet in the middle mm. and we talk about stuff. We, mm. We're best friends because we talk all the time. So we're still healing in so many ways. I lost nine family members over the course of 12 years, went through a dark depression, wrote a book about it, uh, preached, have been preaching that message for years. And she was there with me during wow. that whole process. So we've had people embezzle money from our ministry. Wow. We've had people that we trusted let us down. We, you know, we've been through all those things. But what has sustained us is um, our relationship with each other. And that relationship is built on open, honest consistent conversation. Mm. We just talk. We talk all the time. Honestly, Clayton just kept 
proving that he loved me over and over again Mm -hmm. when I doubted it. And I I think that he won me by gentle love, like Mm. progressive gentle love. And I had, at first, I remember I couldn't even hardly take a compliment. He would tell me I look nice and I'd, no, I don't, blah, 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 blah. I mean, every girl does that, but I think I really didn't believe it. And so I had to start choosing to believe he had my best at heart. I had to Mm. start choosing to believe he really just loved me for me and not what I had to offer him. And I don't mean that sexually. I mean, I was better at performing and doing things for him and feeling like I could earn his love rather Mm. than just that he loved me. So I think it's just taken years for me to actually believe that he would just love me for me. Mm. That's taken a really long, for who I am inside. That's taken a long time. And I actually told him that the other day we were laying in bed and I said, I think that you've loved me faster than I've been able to love you. And I asked him, I said, do you regret that? Do you? I actually asked him, I said, do you regret marrying me because someone else might have Mm. loved you greater, faster? And he said, no. But I remember feeling a little broken in that moment, just thinking, why? I wish I hadn't taken so long. Mm. You know? We had a long time to make up for it. We got years ahead. (laughs) Years and years ahead. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's beautiful, like in the sense of one of the things I love about marriage is that. And what I'm discovering walking into my new marriage is we both have these past hurts, but God is using, while he has has used a lot of other circumstances, a lot of other people to heal us individually apart from each other, he's using us together yeah. to heal each other. Mm-hmm. And there's something beautiful about a great marriage that becomes your sanctification piece. And, you know, people, the, the phrase is like, marriage isn't for your happiness, it's for your holiness. holiness. But but as you're leaning <laughs> really into that, true. it creates a lot of happiness too. Yeah. There's some, when you get on the other side as you're working, as you're actually leaning in and working through that stuff, yep. it's beautiful. It's the best thing in the world, It's man. amazing. And you it's guys right best. now, you're giving me a lot of just like hope. And I mean, just the cool thing is, is watching you guys through. And I want to, I want to reference what you just talked about, Clayton. You, you, you talked about a lot of pain that you guys have gone through together even on the fronts of ministry, yeah. and you've stayed, you've stayed um, the course. You've stayed steadfast in believing, trusting that that following after the Lord, and not just following, but giving your lives to ministry is the thing that is going to. You want to ring your life out, and that's going to give you the most fulfillment in life. That's what you're called to. How do you do that? Walking through all that you guys have walked through. Yeah. How do you how do you walk through that and not become jaded by ministry? Not become jaded by being hurt by people or what it what does that look like? I mean, there's a long, long answer and then there's a really short answer. I'll give you the short one. <laughs> we just decided at the at the front end we're not gonna become bitter and jaded. Just mm-hmm. a decision. It's that simple. And and sometimes the simplest answer is the right one and mm-hmm. the true one. Here's the truth. When we have gone through those seasons, while we could write books. We might we might write books that they'll publish after we're dead um, <laughs> and out some of the people and <laughs> some of the things that we've been through. No, I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. But you just make a decision on the front end. This yeah. is not going to ruin me. I'm going to keep my heart soft and tender to the Lord mm-hmm. because the people in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount that, w- that Jesus promised would actually get to see God were those with pure hearts. Wow. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Mm-hmm. So in order for our hearts to stay pure... We cannot let them be cluttered with or clouded by bitterness or anger or resentment. So it it really has boiled down. There's a thousand other details I could go into, professional counseling and reading Mm -hmm. books and fasting Mm -hmm. and prayer and going outside in the woods and screaming and cussing, which is (laughs) kind of my 
used to be my therapy. You're from the South, though. So I'm a can, Southern right? boy. Yeah, we got to do that. <laughs> but honestly, we just make a decision on the front end. We're not going to let this ruin us. This will not be the end of us. This is going to make us better. No matter what it takes, Holy Spirit, I give you access and full control over my life. Do not let my heart grow hard. Wow. I think um, I would say three things. I would say, number one, I had to learn how to expect people to be people and not expect people to be Jesus mm. um, and realize that people are going to fail you because they're people, just like I'm going to fail people. Um, and also, everyone else isn't me. They're not going to do things the way that I do them. So I have to I have, and, and so that brings me to number two. Um, as you get to know people, not I'm not talking about judging. I'm saying watching them and getting to know who they are so that I can expect them well, you're and being not ca- in a being negative careful. way. You're being careful and cautious, yeah, right? Yeah, not in a negative way, but I'm expecting to, them to behave in the way that they have behaved, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I expect them to act like Jesus, but they're acting like this other way, I learn that that's how they behave. And I pray for them to come into better things. But if yeah. they don't, I'm not surprised or disappointed. Mm. That make, is that making yep, sense to you? makes a lot of sense, yeah, absolutely. So number one, like setting those expectations of people to be people and yeah. learning learning how to do that in a good way. Um, the second thing is when you're hurting, talk about it and hurt through it. Get mm. Say things that you feel, even if they sound wrong <laughs> or unchristian, but say them to a safe person. Mm. Um, and then I think that there have been times that Clayton's tried to help me through problems and I've hurt him, but I've had trouble believing him. And so I have gone to counseling because... The person in counseling has no reason to have to love me. Mm-hmm. So if they tell me the exact same things my husband, who I feel like has to love me, tells me, then he's what he's saying is right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Guys, this has been a, I wish we could like take 30, 40 more minutes, an hour. Um, and maybe we'll have to. Here's Bring your wife do. down to Anderson we sometime will. and hang yeah. out with us. Here's what we'll do next time. We'll hang out. We'll come down to Anderson. We'll hang out. We'll have like a long dinner together. Yes. Then we'll all force it on the podcast and do like yes. a two-hour long session where we mm-hmm. dive And here's what we'll do. We'll stuff. record your podcast. We'll record Shari's podcast, yes. Overcoming Monday. We'll record the, the CKM podcast. We'll record one time. One time. And play that Throw recording all for there. all of them. And then the world explodes. This, <laughs> <laughs> the world explodes. And then, like and then you and your family can come stay in our pool house. Perfect. And we can Done. watch reruns of old wrestling matches Done. with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Done. As long as you dress up like Ric Flair. No. I, yes. Sure, <laughs> you Maybe know Hulk you Hogan. That's probably that. a little bit better. That's probably more suited towards. Do you. you like wrestling? Oh, I used to back in the day. I used to back have the, the remember day. the wrestling dolls that oh, you would no. they would have. I okay, was like five Davy, hold up, hold up. You're you just, about to get blasphemed. The Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. Let's back up. They're not dolls. I'm sorry. Action figures. Let's get that right. I'm I'm in that space right now because. Weston has just inherited an older sister, and I've caught him multiple times playing with Barbie dolls. And so I'm like, we are gonna have to get him some action figures, so right. so he Let, can play fight blowing up the Barbie doll or something like that. I, don't know. I think Clayton was hoping that our boys would like his action figures and they his wrestling figures, and uh, they just looked at him like, "Why do you you want me to play with these, Dad?" Yeah, they never got into it. They're probably like, wrestling's fake. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, I had to, and I had to correct them the same way I correct many people. It's not fake. It's choreographed. Oh, my gosh. There's a difference. Those guys really do hit each other. Man, they really do get man. hurt. But I digress. <laughs> hey, for real, this has been so much fun, yeah, baby. Thank absolutely. you for Thank you. 
taking time. And I know you, you know, you drove, you drove down from your house to be here today for us. Yeah. I hope it was worth your time. Oh it was gosh. worth it for us. Uh, of course. We love you and we've prayed for you. And mm-hmm. I want you to know from, from our team at New Spring, uh, we, we are so thankful for mm-hmm. the ability that God gave us to, to know you, yeah. to bless you, to help be a part of your church, to support what you're, what you're doing, mm-hmm. to celebrate your new marriage, this new chapter of your life. Mm-hmm. We are so proud of you, Davey. Thank you. I mean that. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. And I, I can't say enough how grateful I am for New Spring, for that ministry, for all of you guys, because we would not be where we're at right now in terms of how the Lord is working in our hearts, not through us. Yeah. You know, that's secondary, but in us and healing us and um, keeping us, our eyes on Jesus through all of this, if it wasn't for New Spring, yeah. the influence of that ministry in my life. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we sign off, where can our listeners follow you guys? Where can they get more? It's real easy. SharikKing.com. That's with an S-H. S-H-A-R-I-E. SharikKing.com or ClaytonKing.com, just like it sounds, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. SharikKing.com, ClaytonKing.com. And there's information on there about the books we've written. Shari's just released a brand new nine-week study. Uh, along with a book called I Love You More. There's uh, all sorts of information on there about our podcast. She has one for uh, that she does primarily for ladies, but it's not just for ladies. It's uh, I even shouldn't say that because it's really not just for ladies. Um, and then we have one for, for our ministry at CKM at Crossroads. And uh, summer camps, student ministry. Also, I'll tell you this, go to our newspring.cc. That's our church website. You can hear sermons from our teaching team, Dan Leanne, mm-hmm. Brad Cooper, uh, also Meredith Knox and yeah. Caleb White and all those great teachers and preachers. And uh, you can go back and look at sermons from years and years ago. They're all free, uh, newspring.cc. Those are the three websites that you could go to. So here's a little connection. Those of you guys who are listening, and if you have downloaded our Resonate Church's worship album, the female lead vocalist for that is Mayor Knox, That's one of the right. gals wow. that you just referenced as one that of the is teachers. Exactly right. awesome. so she's multi-talented. That's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And you can also follow us on social media. We're both on Instagram. We're both yeah. on Twitter. We're both on Facebook. I'm on MySpace. He's I'm just kidding. Playing. I'm not on MySpace. <laughs> I had to throw that in for humor. I'm oh, Shari man. King 99 because that's right. I love our marriage more. Yeah, because we got when married. We got married. Nice. I'm Shari sorry. King 99. Man, thanks so much, guys. Honor to have you guys on. Thanks, Davey. Love you. Thanks for listening today, Thank whoever you. you are that listened. I hope it blessed you. <laughs> <laughs> That was such a powerful interview. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I, I love how they are so unified in how they do ministry together. Mm-hmm. Like husband and wife. And um, I don't know, I sat there and I'm like, man, they just are so, I know they've walked through a lot together. I know that they have uh, traversed that, <laughs> how to how to be one and how to prop up the giftings of each other and yeah. how to support each other and how to, you know, but it, and I know that that takes time, but like I was just so inspired by even sitting in the room with them yeah. talking about that. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a lot of other conversations with them, right. <laughs> Christy and I. Yeah, of course. But I just think that's a really cool thing because there's nothing more beautiful than doing ministry with your best friend. Yeah. It's true. I think that's something that um, Kent and I have found, especially at Resonate, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in our dating season of life, we were in high school and college. And so we didn't find a lot of opportunities to be unified around like one thing together. 
um, there wasn't something that we were both intentionally investing our time and efforts into besides school, right? right. And so um, as a couple, like finding Resonate our junior year of college, I think that's something that actually bonded us together mm. before we were married because we were finding ourselves like devoting to a mission together and like co-laboring with one another. Um, and it's been definitely a foundational piece of our marriage as like there is something in our life, which obviously Jesus, but also the ministry of Resonate Church yeah. um, that we're able to consistently show up to together and pour our hearts into together. Mm. Um, it just deepens our marriage and deepens our friendship. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. You know, there were some things that were very, very sensitive subjects that we talked about on this yeah. interview, and I just want to make sure that I'm sensitive to any listener who you're currently walking through something like this right. or that you've dealt with something like this in, in the past. Maybe it is some kind of um, uh, sexual abuse or abuse of any kind or um, being taken advantage of in any way that you want to just process through that. You would like some help as you're trying to heal from that. Mm -hmm. If that is the case, I want to highly encourage you please reach out. Yeah. We would love to. If you don't have resources right there available to you that you know about, if, you, if you're not sure, if you're not plugged into a local church yet, or you're not uh, getting some counseling for that right there in your area, we would love to help you to get connected to some help and some healing. And so reach out. Hello at ResonateIndy.com. Uh, our team is going to do whatever we can to assist you with that. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, we're not going to be able to be the ones that walk you in that whole journey, but we want to connect you with people that can. Yeah. And so um, please feel free to reach out. Uh, if, if man, I believe that as Shari talked about Jesus rescuing her from this situation, that may not be your story in the way that it was uh, Shari's story, but I believe right now, mm -hmm the rescuing hand of Jesus can pull you out of that situation if you just take a step to reach out. Yeah. So don't hesitate to do that. We would love to help. Yeah. Again, that email address, if you didn't catch it the first time, is hello at resonateindy.com. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to share with you guys um, is that Clayton and Shari, they mentioned a lot of different ministries that they're involved yeah. in. Um, and so we want to help you get connected to those if you'd like more information. And so the easiest way for you to access any of their websites or mm -hmm. um, any of their, their ministries that they're involved in is to go to davyblackburn.com slash podcast. So this is episode 31. If you click on that, any information yeah, that they mention yeah. in the podcast, we'll have links directly to like Clayton King Ministries yeah. and Shari King Ministries and anything any else. Any of their that, books or resources that they've put out there, right. all that content is super helpful. So get connected with them. Um, I know that it'll really help you a lot. Um, and thanks so much for listening. Thanks for joining us in the Nothing Is Wasted community. It keeps growing. This it is does. really cool to just be a part of your lives in this small way. Thanks for letting us be a part of that. We want to thank our good friend Ryan O'Neill, mm -hmm. who goes as Sleeping at Last for the music that he's provided for all of these episodes. And uh, you can download his music anywhere where music can be downloaded. Or you can stream it if you're like us. <laughs> you don't download music anymore. You just right. stream it. You can definitely stream that. Sleeping at Last. Make sure you get connected to him. Fantastic stuff. And thank you again for listening to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. We'll catch you next time.